Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show right here at awesomeo.com. It is Saturday morning, January the 23rd, and we're here to break down tonight's seven-game slate for you as we'll get you ready. Of course, uh, later lock here tonight than usual, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Standard Time lock tonight, so we'll get you ready for this one. Uh, Adam, as always, man, great to uh, be here on, on a Saturday morning talking a little NBA with you. We were uh, kind of talking about, uh, before the show started, about what happened last night, about uh, everyone was on DeMarcus Cousins, but uh, Clint Capella is really the guy you need to be on. Yeah, Capella's been playing great. Uh, Triple-double last night, including blocks. Never, Basically never see that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he, he, he's great. Like, obviously, the block numbers aren't going to stay where they are. But one thing I noticed yesterday running the deep dive is that his rebounding rate this year is up at 24%, which is basically exactly what it was whenever he played without Westbrook last year. So um, he's basically, I mean, obviously playing every game without Westbrook now. He goes from Westbrook to a guy in Trey Young that doesn't rebound at all. And you're seeing the difference in his rebounding numbers. Yeah, you look at some of the other uh, players that kind of went off last night. Rajon Rondo at 3,000 on DK, got you 30 points. Uh, Jamal Murray with uh, nearly 47 points. I believe the stat is he has the his highest points per game average uh, is actually against the Suns. So that's something to pay attention to. Of course, we'll talk about the Suns a little bit later on in the show. Uh, and by the way, uh, appreciate uh, Mike there in the super chat yesterday. Uh, glad we were able to help you make some money there in terms of that one. Of course, uh, this show is sponsored by No House Advantage, which, of course, they're taking a little different spin on daily fantasy sports by offering player prop bets. This is a peer-to-peer fantasy sports platform. You can join today for free. All you got to do is download that No House Advantage app and when you're ready to make your first deposit nha will match it up to 20 dollars in free play we use the promo code awesomeo that's the promo code awesomeo and when you refer a friend get an additional five dollars more with their first deposit but uh, adam let's get right into it first game of the night is miami and brooklyn let's start off on the miami side i think brooklyn an eight and a half point favorite in this one of course you can go over to odd shopper and check out the odds for all of tonight's games uh what's your thoughts on, on miami here yeah, so Tyler Hero already ruled out for tonight's game as well. Um, we saw Kendrick Nunn play huge minutes off the bench again last night. Gabe Vincent got the start. Um, Vincent played 24 minutes. Nunn played 39 minutes. Uh, so basically the same thing as we had talked about yesterday with Nunn. His salaries come up to a point where if he plays 34-plus minutes off the bench, he's too cheap. If he plays 26 minutes off the bench, he's too expensive. So there is more risk on him now than there was a couple of days ago when he was 4k, um, especially because people are, are rostering him. He was popular last night, but at the same time, we've seen three straight games now where he closes off the bench. He played 34, 35 and 30, uh, 39 minutes. So the assumption at least is that as long as he's playing reasonably well, he's going to get a bunch of run and still be a little bit underpriced at, at 5,600. So he really stands out. Um, Gabe Vincent, you know, starting basically minimum salary, doesn't really do anything fantasy-wise. He had a couple of big games when Miami was really shorthanded. But so far this year, when he's played alongside Bam Adebayo, he's averaging like 0.5 fantasy points per minute. Doesn't do a whole lot when he's out there. So more of just like a, a last resort type play. Um, Dragic was disappointing last night. Still reasonably priced. Still gives you a nice ceiling. Should play 31 to 33 minutes. And then Bam Adebayo, um, just always tough to get to him at center because there's so many good mm-hmm. options. But he is someone that at least carries tournament appeal because he does 
benefit when Butler's out. His um, his usage rate since last year in games without Butler is up over 24%. His assist percentage is over 30%. So the, the upside is still clearly there. It's just that, you know, it's another eight-game slate where you have Embiid, you have Jokic, you have um, all these center options to pay for. You have Cousins, obviously. So the, um, the opportunity cost is still really high. And that's where, I mean, you got to look at those ownerships of where kind of BAM fits in, in relation to other ones. You mentioned about uh, Kendrick Nunn, 5,600, but over on Fan, FanDuel, he is 6,500. Do you like him at that price point as well? It's kind of the same thing. Um, obviously, there's more risk the higher the salary gets because there's just less margin for error. Um, but like if he plays 38 minutes, he's still a decent value. But um, I think it's definitely a, a more favorable price point on DraftKings. Like you still have... On, on DraftKings, if he plays 34 minutes and has a normal game, then he pretty easily exceeds his salary. On FanDuel, if he plays 34 minutes and has a normal game, he just gives you, like, an acceptable score. So on FanDuel, you kind of need him to, like, get full run and to play better than normal. Aiden brings up a great point about Bam Adebayo on FanDuel. He's listed as a power, power forward. How, how does that change your perception on him with, with being at power forward on FanDuel? Yeah, I think it makes it a lot easier because, you know, looking at the power forward position, it's it's obviously never as strong as the uh, center position. But, you know, tonight up at the top end, you know, you have Anthony Davis, you have Zion, you have Christoph Porzingis. Those guys are all great, but that's pretty much it as far as raw points go at the position. I mean, you can say what you want about Mark and, and, and Green as far as values, but like they're not likely to go get you 60 plus fantasy points like a bunch of these centers are. So it's a lot easier to get to Bam on, on FanDuel, I think. Now we look at the other side here with, with Brooklyn. Of course, we now have that three-headed monster. We we have not done a show together since you know, the, these three finally officially became together. Of course, uh, you know James Harden ten five on DK, ten four for uh, Durant, Kyrie Irving eight nine. Then over on FanDuel, ten seven for Durant, ten two for Harden, and nine four for Kyrie. Yeah. So have do we have Durant news? I haven't seen it. I uh, have not. I'll, I know I'll he, sat, right he, now. he sat last night with an Achilles issue, but um, I haven't seen anything on his status for today. So I'm assuming he's questionable. If he's in, it makes it really hard, I think, to trust anyone out of this group. Um, not to say that they don't have tournament upside, because obviously all three players are great. All three can score at a really high rate, but there's only one ball to go around. And so I, I think when all three guys are healthy, what you're typically going to see is a big game out of one of them um, pretty often, but it's going to be really difficult to guess which one that is. And so it just makes it so, you know, in, in tournaments, if they're low owned, there's appeal going there, but in, you know, smaller field stuff and cash games, you can probably find more reliable options elsewhere. Uh, they are playing big minutes, which, you know, is, is good to see last night, of course, with Durant out, you kind of got disappointing games from both of uh, Kyrie and Harden, especially Harden, but Harden played 37 minutes. Kyrie played um, played 31 minutes. Um, if if Durant's out, I still really like the salary on both Harden and Irving. In terms of uh, everything else on Brooklyn, you know, the next highest guy would be Joe Harris at 5,500 on, on DK. Then then DeAndre you know, Jordan, Jeff Green, and so on and so forth. Uh, in terms of, of the supporting cast there in Brooklyn, what what do you like from a DFS perspective? Basically nothing. I mean, when, when you have Harden, Durant, and Irving, like nobody else on offense is really touching the ball um, outside of, you know, Joe Harris taking some, some jump shots. But uh, the, it just makes it really, really difficult to get to these guys, especially because they're still priced up somewhat from when Brooklyn was was shorthanded. Um, the one thing that I, I would keep an eye on, but again, it goes back to the, the issue with center, is that if Durant sits, it makes it easier or more likely for DeAndre Jordan to close the game. Um, in which case he gets like 30 minutes and is pretty cheap. But again, you're, you're just not talking about the same caliber of, of center as a lot of other guys. So it, it's still really hard to get to him. If Durant is in, 
the last time that that Durant played, we saw Jeff Green close over DeAndre Jordan. This is a spot against the smaller center in Bam Adebayo where um, I think that would most likely be the case again. Yeah, one of the comments in chat was about Durant, about uh, you know, you know, since you know, obviously coming off that major surgery, you know, about the these back-to-back games. And I remember watching the Nets game. I don't know, this was about a week ago. I want to say was they were playing the Knicks, and they were talking about the back-to-back. Because uh, I actually I think the Nets brought TV broadcast one of the best in the league, and and they were kind of talking about like if it was KD's decision, he would play every game. But the team is they're they're just being careful about this. Yeah, and that's what I'm not sure. I don't know if he sat last night because it was the first half of the back-to-back or if he actually aggravated the the injury. Like, if he aggravated the injury, then I assume he's questionable. If he was just resting, then I assume he's going to play. Um, hey, and load management. It's, it's, it's a term we've all learned over, over the past couple of years. Let's move on to the next game. We got the 76ers and the Pistons. The Pistons, uh, nearly a nine-point underdog in terms of this one. I, I watched a lot of that 76ers game last night against the Celtics. The Celtics just couldn't do anything against Embiid. Of course, that was the back-to-back games uh, You know, for those two teams. Uh, in, in terms of Philadelphia, obviously, it all starts with Joel Embiid uh, at 10,000 on DK. Ben Simmons at 8,200. Tobias Harris at 7,100. And over on FanDuel, uh, Embiid 10-2. Uh, Simmons 7-9. And then uh, Tobias is 7-5. Yeah, so pretty much, you know, the big three here, Embiid obviously being the focal point, but takes up one of those center spots. Um, He's been great this year, averaging nearly 1.6 DraftKings points per minute. Typically, you're getting at least 32, 33 minutes in competitive games. Only played 30 last night, um, potentially just because it was the first half of a back-to-back, I guess. Looks like he had a little bit of foul trouble in the first half as well, so that probably contributed to it. Um, Picked up two fouls in his first stint, picked up a third foul with a minute and a half to go in the second quarter, so subbed out then. Um, Looks like he you know, probably would have played closer to 33, 34 minutes had he not been dealing with fouls, picked up his fourth in the third quarter too. So um, still pretty comfortable giving him those, you know, 30, around 33 minutes. And it's a good matchup here against Detroit. You know, Mason Plumlee's not anyone that's going to scare you defensively. None of that, that Detroit front court is. And Embiid's just really elevated his game this year as far as, um, you know, mixing in different things offensively and really being difficult to defend, not just being, you know, a a post-up guy this year, though he still gets plenty of that as well. So, you know, I don't know how easy it'll be to get him in lineups because of the position, but um, definitely will be happy with any lineups I can get Embiid in. As far as Simmons and Harris, I think more secondary options. Harris is relatively inexpensive. He's averaged about 1.1 fantasy points per minute in his games with Embiid this year. Should play 34 or 35 minutes. Again, not a bad matchup at all against Detroit, so that's pretty appealing. Simmons, I think, is probably the most difficult to get to. He still has upside just because he gives you the you know rebounding assists and, and scoring. He gives you a triple-double chance and plays big minutes. But it's just really hard, I think, to prioritize someone in this price range who's just like afraid to shoot the ball. Um, scoring gives you such a high ceiling and, and the ability to go out there and just rack up uh, big games um, from a scoring standpoint, just elevates the, the the ceiling for guys. Whereas, you know, Simmons, to get to his ceiling, you're kind of counting on everything falling into place from, uh, you know, scoring, getting extra rebounds, getting extra assists and all that. So it's a little bit tougher for me to prioritize Simmons. I like the price point on Harris a little bit more. And then I really like getting up to Embiid if you can. Uh, Seth Curry, Dan Cohen up in the chat. What's your take on Seth here tonight? Just kind of a, a mediocre price point, I think. Like 5,300 is fine, but only expecting him to play 27, 28 minutes. Um, the Sixers are essentially fully healthy now. You have Curry back, but you also have Forkan Korkmaz back, who played 18 minutes last night. Uh, Thibel played 21 minutes off the bench. Shake Milton's playing. Uh, Maxi only played six minutes. But 
it's I don't think you're going to be getting those 36 minute games from Seth Curry that we were getting before the the COVID situation. Um, now that that Corkmus is back and, and they're pretty much fully healthy, so he he has the upside to play into the low to mid 30s. But I think best best estimate is that you're getting like 28 to 30 minutes. And on an eight game slate, it's just not the the first spot I'd be going to. Uh, looking over to Pistons, obviously it's all about Jeremy Grant. When you look at what he has done, you know this season, uh, you know as a free agent acquisition for the Pistons, you, you look at his past couple of DraftKings scores: thirty nine and a half, forty seven and a half, forty three, fifty seven point eight. Um, but at the seventy eight seventy eight k price range, what's your thoughts on him? Uh, you know whether it's at the small four or power four position. Yeah, I mean he's he's been legitimately impressive this year. I think um, as far as maintaining his efficiency that we'd seen in Denver, despite taking on a lot more usage in Detroit, I thought he'd be a lot more inconsistent than he has been. But it's still I think really tough to prioritize him just because uh, Philadelphia is a good team defensively. There's not really anyone here that that's going to take attention away from Grant either. So I think you could see Ben Simmons spend a decent amount of time on Grant and, and make life difficult. Um, but even if you don't, it's just a good overall defensive team. Um, Grant definitely you know has the ability to outperform form the salary but uh he, he just doesn't really stand out as a priority in this matchup i think there's gonna be a lot of better spots to go to on the slate um as far as the detroit guys go if i am taking shots there there's nobody that really stands out but i do have some interest in josh jackson at, at 3700 i said in the deep dive yesterday that i think he's in a tournament winning lineup at some point soon it's just a matter of, mm-hmm. of when the thing with, with with jackson is that you're typically not getting that many minutes from him um but he has the potential to play more last night. He actually played about 31 minutes and he's close to a fantasy point per minute guy. The player ahead of him, mostly in the rotation has been Wayne Ellington, which that's certainly not someone that that's difficult to knock out of the rotation. He also can play multiple positions. You know, he can take minutes from um, like Jeremy Grant potentially, or from Blake Griffin potentially. So the, the only question with Jackson is like, can he get on the floor, but he's $3,700. So if he's low owned, then there is, you know, a nice tournament upside on, on Jackson. Of course, this is the NBA Strategy Show right here on awesomeo.com. You got to take advantage of the promo we got going on right now on the site that does expire today. Get an MMA weekly pass for $2.57. We use a promo code CONNOR, that is C-O-N-O-R. You see it there at the bottom of the screen to get you ready for tonight's MMA action to get the access to ownership projections, player projections, top fire tool, and so much more. Get that pass right now today over at awesomeo.com slash promos, a MMA weekly pass for $2.57. And if you want a weekly pass for all the sports that we have, you can get that for $29.95. Move on to the next game. We have got the Pelicans and the Timberwolves. Uh, talk about the Pelicans here. Uh, obviously, Brandon Ingram is a guy I'm really high on, and I know I saw a little bit earlier in the chat uh, someone mentioned they thought that this was a smash spot for Zion Williamson. Yeah, it looks like a great spot for both of these guys. Uh, the first thing I noticed is that Ingram's salary is falling on DraftKings. He's down to 8,100. Um, they, they've had a couple of kind of difficult matchups lately. Um, if I remember correctly, they had back-to-back games against Utah. And now Ingram's down to 7,700 on FanDuel. He's actually less expensive than Zion, which he shouldn't be. On DraftKings, he's only $500 more expensive. Both these guys are, are you know really good fantasy producers. Zion should have tons of success in the paint here against Minnesota. But Ingram's just been so involved in multiple categories this year and leads the team with 35 minutes per game uh, gets a lot of assists you know high usage guy right in line with Zion I think that they're both really really strong options the thing that gives Ingram the edge is that he has small forward eligibility which is typically just a tougher position to um, to, to nail down so really like Ingram really like Zion here Minnesota one of the fastest teams in the league also one of the worst defensive teams 
Uh, looking at the T was obviously uh, no Carl Anthony Towns due to the COVID situation, uh, which leaves you with D'Angelo Russell as the best option there at 8,600. Yeah, he's kind of in like the Jeremy Grant category where I think he's got a really high ceiling because he's averaging almost 1.3 DraftKings points per minute in his games without Towns this year. But he's also he's priced for towns to be out at this point because towns has missed so much time. So the ceiling's still there, but it's not like he's one of these guys. Like, like when I look at Brandon Ingram, for example, if Ingram plays his normal game, he satisfies, he satisfies his, his salary. If Russell plays his normal game, he's just kind of a, a mediocre play. You need him to play a little bit better than normal. So that typically drives down ownership and it, it makes guys appealing in tournaments. But as far as being a priority, I think he's priced about where he should be. And so it's tough to get there. It's really tough to get to, to much from this Minnesota team. You know, you've had Jared Vanderbilt starting in place of Juancho Hernan Gomez, but the minutes are still, you know, inconsistent. And even when he gets around 30 minutes, he's basically priced to play 30 minutes. Now Nas Reed takes up a center position, which is just extremely difficult to do right now. Beasley's priced correctly. Like all these guys are just priced for Towns to be out. Um, so I think that, there's not really a whole lot of value on the Minnesota side. You know, because of what you mentioned about with the Minnesota defense, I mean, do you, do you kind of look at, say, how many Pelicans would you put in a lineup? Is there a max number you would go to? Yeah, I mean, typically on a bigger slate outside of teams that are, you know, shorthanded due to COVID or whatever, I don't really play more than like three guys for a team. And even then I typically – there has to be, you know, at least one drastically underpriced guy. Um, but with with New Orleans, I think that Zion and Ingram are the two that stand out. But you can still make rules and stuff with the rest of these guys because they all have opportunity here. Like Lonzo and Bledsoe, um, Lafay and I talked about on the deeper dive the other day. Neither one is in a position on this Pelicans team to really be a great fantasy asset because while both guys are good playmakers and good rebounding guards and can score a little bit they're clearly the third option offensively behind, you know, third or fourth option behind Ingram and and Zion. They're not the primary rebounders behind Adams and Zion. They're not the primary assist guys behind Ingram. So they're, they're all in terms of their average rates taking a step back, but they still have that ability as an NBA player to occasionally have big games because of their skill set. So when the salary is low on these guys, the matchup's good and the ownership's low. I do like taking shots on them in tournaments and just, you know, kind of hoping that they run into a big game. But um, obviously the, the likelihood of that happening is, lower playing on this team Josh Hart is someone that I've been rostering a little bit on smaller slates at low ownership recently he's not very productive but he does rebound well and he does average about 28 minutes per game this year he's still inexpensive but I don't really think it'll be necessary on an eight game slate so it's more of just um and Stephen Adams you know he's someone that should play 30 plus minutes and have success against this Minnesota front court the problem is just you have DeMarcus Cousins at a cheaper salary. You have a lot of centers who are likely to score 55, 60 points. If I play Steven Adams at 6,100 and he gets me 35 points, that's like the kind of score where normally you're like, oh, he did good for his salary. But when you factor in the cost of the center position and what the other guys are doing, it's a pretty good chance that it actually hurts you. So um, it, it's not a lot of guys outside of Zion and Ingram that I expect to prioritize. But I do think that getting low ownership on some of these Pelicans and just kind of hoping that they run into a big game in a great matchup does make sense in larger field tournaments. Yeah, just to kind of go back to your point about Josh Hart, uh, you know, watching their game the other night, even uh, the color guy kind of know that when Josh Hart is on the for- court, he will take rebounds away from some of, you know, the Steven Adams, the Zions, the Ingrams, just because he's just a guy who finds his way to the rebound. Yeah, he's got like a 15% rebounding percentage this year, which is insane. I think uh, I'm double checking now. I think the last time I looked, he had a higher rebounding percentage than Zion. Um Zion's at 13.6%. Josh Hart's at 15.4%. Yeah, Josh Josh Hart has the highest rebounding percentage on the team other than Steven Adams and Jackson Hayes. 
Yeah, it's it's crazy when you watch the Pelicans play. They're they're one of those teams I do like to watch play as I kind of go around league pass uh, throughout the night. Of course, uh, we got uh, got to almost 500 people in here on a Saturday morning. Uh, be sure to smash that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. Of course, coming up today, right after us, will be the NFL Strategy Show with Matt and Kyle. Then at 4 p.m. each time, it will be the NHL Strategy Show with Jake and Cliffy. Then 5:45, be myself and Pete for MMA Live Before Lock. And then at six o'clock, you got the NBA deeper dive with Spags and Greg. And then at 7 p.m. It is live before lock, NBA live before lock with Emac and Tara. Move on to the next game, which is the Lakers and the Bulls. And uh, well, we just know this every day. It's uh game time decision, questionable, however you want to label this with LeBron and AD, but uh we kind of uh know that's just that's just gonna be an everyday thing every time the Lakers play. Yeah, I'm just assuming that he plays uh one day. He probably won't, and I'll have to adjust. But um, he's been questionable maybe every game this year, if not every game, close to every game, and he just plays. So I'm assuming James is in, assuming Davis is in. Uh, the, the the matchup here is great. The Bulls are one of the fastest teams in the league, second in pace, I believe, one of the, the least um, efficient defensive teams. So the matchup's great. The only concern that you run into when you talk about Davis and LeBron is that their minutes per game is just lower than most other stars because the Lakers are involved in so many blowouts. And Frank Vogel came into the season with the goal of, of trying to limit the minutes for, for these two after the you know championship run last year and the, the short offseason. He hasn't really done it in competitive games, though. So the upside's still there for them to get their 35, 36 minutes. It's just that when the Lakers start to pull away in the third or fourth quarter. These guys see the bench and then he tries not to bring them back and they finish at 30 minutes. So um, th- there is that risk, but I think they're also priced for it. You know, if, if they were averaging 34, 35 minutes per game, both these guys would be over 10 K they're, uh, both relatively inexpensive here. LeBron in particular has been great this year, you know, averaging over one and a half fantasy points per minute. The matchup's great. He has guard and forward eligibility on DraftKings, So it's easier to get him into lineups. And one thing that I've noticed is that, um, I'm guessing because of the the minutes and the the risks that I mentioned before, it seems like LeBron on normal size slates really hasn't gotten a lot of ownership most of the time this year. There's been a lot of slates where even in good matchups, it seems like I roster LeBron and, and he's not really that popular. So um, that'll be something to keep an eye on. If he is low owned, you are getting one of the best matchups possible for what should be, you know, the best permanent producer on the team. In terms of the, the rest of the, the uh, crew here for the Lakers outside of the two stars, uh, you know, you know, obviously Dennis Schroeder got sixty one hundred, Montrose Harrell fifty seven hundred, uh, KCP forty one hundred. Yeah, just I mean, kind of lineup filler in tournaments. Looking specifically, I think it's Schroeder and um, Harrell. Harrell's kind of had the same issue. He, he's been hurt by blowouts this year as well. Being someone that comes off the bench and relies on those closing minutes, uh, losing them in blowouts really hurts him. But it is a good matchup for him. Um, he he is a center on DraftKings. On FanDuel, he is also a center. So it, it's really tough to get to him. I th- He used to have power forward eligibility on, on FanDuel, but doesn't anymore. Um, so really tough to get to him. Schroeder, though, he's averaging about 0.9 fantasy points per minute this year. That should go up based on the matchup here. He's not the highest usage guy, obviously, playing with LeBron and Davis. Not the highest assist guy, but does contribute enough in both categories that um, he's you know capable of putting up uh, relatively big games. I haven't made lineups yet, so I don't know exactly how value will end up looking. KCP at 4,100 obviously had a big game last time out against Milwaukee. Uh, Another really good matchup for him. Probably only going to get 25, 26 minutes. Certainly not someone that I'm going to feel good about rostering. But um, if I need someone in that 4K range, I think you can probably do worse than KCP. 
Looking over at the Bulls, you got Zach Levine, 9,200 on DK, 9,300 on FanDuel. Uh, outside of Levine, does anything stick out to you of what you like here with the Bulls? So we had um, Carter Jr. out yesterday, and I don't think expected to play today either. Uh, Daniel Gafford got the start yesterday, ended up playing 19 minutes. Um, Lori Marketing was playing center over him um, towards the end of the game. And then they actually closed with an even smaller lineup than that. Uh, but I, I think if Gafford starts again, you're probably looking at another 18 to 20 minutes, really tough to use that center position on someone that, you know, is going to that you're hoping scores like 18 fantasy points. So not too interested in going there. Um, really tough matchup for the bulls, obviously, you know, Levine, if you can get to him, great, but there's a lot of options up there that aren't playing against the Lakers. Laurie Markkinen's salary, I think looks pretty decent. He only played uh 30 minutes yesterday, I think, you know, has the potential to play 32, 33 today. Should get some minutes at center with um, Carter Jr. out. And those are more productive minutes for him. I was hoping he would start at center yesterday, but he didn't. Uh, so I think, you know, Markkinen's probably the first guy I get to from, from the Bulls. You can mix in some Levine and, uh, you know, some Kobe White. But I think this is just a really, really difficult matchup for them. There's, I don't see much in the way of pricing that makes me want to go there. In terms of Levine, I mean, you mentioned about the price point there. I mean, is it just more about that's just playing the ownership game? If it just gets low enough, then you pay up for him? Yeah, but the thing is, with it being an eight-game slate, there's going to be low ownership on a lot of these um, expensive guys because there's so many options to choose from and so many high upside guys. And so it it kind of – like if this were like a four- or a five-game slate, you could say, okay, well, if Levine's, you know, 6% owned or or 10% owned, then that's a really good – really good spot to get to but on this slate like there's going to be a lot of low on guys like I, I i don't have the ownership in front of me so i'm just kind of using guys as examples but like if let's say d'angelo russell and zach levine get similar ownership they, they seem like similar plays to me uh both pretty much priced where they should be both are capable of getting you 50 plus points but not particularly likely to do so in their respective uh, spots you know i think i'd rather just go to russell if they're the same ownership so i think that the, the problem with levine is that you might just kind of run into spots where there's a lot of similarly uh owned guard so the the really I guess the way that I would say that I end up approaching Levine is he'll get into some lineups where I have a lineup that has a lot of popular players and has room to pay up for someone and I need to get a low owned guy that's where you get to Levine and he just kind of lands in there and you hope he has a big game but I wouldn't expect like if I, even if I'm making 150 lineups I wouldn't expect Levine to be someone where I'm just jamming him in the lineups because he's low owned I think it's more of just you know he gets in a lineup here and there yeah, I'm just kind of going down our uh, our ownership, and uh, I'm not seeing Levine. So I think it kind of tells you where he's he's likely at uh, in terms of the situation. Not not hard to figure out who uh, who the smash spot of the night is going to be. And uh, well, we're going to get to that game right now. Houston uh, on the road taking on Dallas. Dallas a ten and a half point favorite, of course. Uh, hit up awesomeo.com, odd shopper there, check out the odds for tonight's game. Uh, you know, obviously we we mentioned about DeMarcus Cousins, 5,100. Uh, and obviously he's going to be a guy that everyone's going to be looking at once again. Yeah, I mean, the only real risk to Cousins, I guess, is what do they do with his minutes on the second half of a back-to-back. He played 32 minutes yesterday, or almost 33 minutes. He played absolutely awful from an, like an offensive, from a scoring perspective, but still gave us 36 DraftKings points, which I think just reinforces – how good of a fantasy option he is, especially at this salary, because he does rebound. He does get assists. He, you know, couldn't score yesterday and still had a, a you know, over fantasy point per minute um, game. So, you know, the, the issues, there are potential issues with cousins are, you know, again, does he go back to like 24 minutes today on the second half of a back-to-back? I'm not going to, 
assume that's the case. Uh, I think that seeing the 33 minutes yesterday, we can at least bump his projection a little bit. Um, and then also just the opportunity cost of the position. Like if you roster cousins and, and he doesn't get you 35 plus fantasy points, you're in a pretty tough spot, but um, you know, I don't really see any reason not to be going right back to cousins here based on what we know right now. We haven't gotten any word that he's going to be limited today. He played 33 minutes yesterday. Wood is out. Um, I don't see any reasons not to be going back to cousins yet. Uh, what's your thoughts on Victor Oladipo at seven uh, seven nine? Yeah, so we'll have to keep an eye on him because Stephen Silas going into yesterday's game basically said he didn't know if Oladipo would play today. They were going to handle yesterday's rotation and worry about yesterday and then figure out today. Oladipo played thirty five and a half minutes last night, which makes me think maybe he doesn't go today. Like maybe they were treating it, you know, okay, if we're able to hold him to like 30 minutes, he can go again. But um, obviously just speculating there and we should get this information throughout the day. Um, If he's in, I'm perfectly fine going back to him. Obviously he struggled yesterday. He's got a tough matchup today against the Dallas team that ranks in the top 10 in defensive efficiency as well, but he's relatively inexpensive. He's, uh, you know, he's touching the ball a ton with Houston, um, has a really big role in this offense and is coming off of a 36 minute game. So if he's good to go, I'm fine going back to Oladipo. Um, I do think there's a decent chance that he sits today, though. Uh, looking at the other side with Dallas, of course, we all know it, it starts with Luca 10 7 on DK, 10 8 on FanDuel. Yeah. Uh, love to get to Luca here. Um, I don't think he's overpriced at all. I think he's actually mm-hmm. underpriced. We saw last year that he was actually more productive in games that he played with Porzingis than without. He's been great so far uh, with Porzingis this year, coming off of a big game last night and then gets a good matchup again tonight against Houston. He's averaging almost 35 minutes per game. He's got an assist percentage up around 50%, usage rate up around 35%. No reason not to be going back to, to Luka here. And then I like Porzingis a lot as well. Um, started again at center last night for Dallas. Um and I assume that he will again tonight against uh, Cousins. But the thing that, that sticks out in my mind is that um, we've already gotten a back-to-back recently from Porzingis since he came back from his injury, and he played 33 and then 32 minutes. So we didn't see any drop-off there, and it makes me feel relatively confident that we're going to get normal normal run from him again tonight. Played 33 minutes last night. Um, he's more product- more productive at center. He's still a little bit underpriced, I think. So really like getting to Luca. really like getting to Porzingis. Of course, stay up to date with all the latest NBA DFS news with our Twitter handle, which is at NBA, And, of course, our main guy, News God, is always delivering the latest news on injuries, starting lineups, minutes restrictions, and so much more. you got to give him a follow at News, N-E-W-Z-G-O-D underscore D-F-S. And also be sure to check out uh, Adam's Deep Dive article, which is free this season to prepare for the slate. It's a must-read if you're playing NBA DFS tonight. Uh, yeah, news guy, man, he helps me out. I, I only played the late slate last night just because I was kind of busy, uh, couldn't really get into the to the main slate. And, uh, yeah, I'm just constantly refreshing right there in our Slack account to see who's starting. I mean, it, it's my go-to. Yeah, it's great. It's it's really, really helpful. Yeah, so so helpful to get you ready for that. Was there anything else on Houston Dallas that you want to mention? Um, Jalen Brunson's price point on FanDuel specifically, like he's, he's fine on DraftKings too, but he's only 4,300 on FanDuel. Um, started again last night played 30 and a half minutes. He's not the most productive guy, especially when a a high percentage of his minutes are coming with Luca and coming with Porzingis. But at that price point at 4,300, just based on the minutes he's going to play, it's a pretty solid value.
Uh, next up, we've got Denver and Phoenix. Of course, the, the news of, of note here is that Devin Booker unlikely to play tonight. Uh, the Suns saying a hamstring type of injury uh, that he did suffer last night. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll start on the Suns side thing. You know, with Booker most likely not in the lineup, how does that kind of affect your Suns strategy here? Yeah, so the first thing I'm cur- I'm curious to see who replaces him. Um, he subbed out in overtime last night, and Cameron Payne replaced him. I don't know that they'll actually start Payne and Paul together, though. It would just make for a weird rotation and kind of a weird pairing. Um, if if Payne does start, he ends up I think looking like a pretty good value. But my guess is that you get either like Javon Carter maybe stepping in and just like getting a spot start um, or you could maybe see Crowder come back into the lineup and they just play a bigger lineup. Um I don't really know exactly what they'll do, but that's something to keep an eye on. Um, It it should help Chris Paul. I think Paul's rates this year are actually kind of weird. Like I looked at them recently when um, Cameron Payne was out because Paul and and Booker were having their minutes staggered and he hasn't really seen a bump without Booker so far this season. Uh, He's played 118 minutes without him. 21% usage rate, 1.17 DraftKings points per minute, 48% assist percentage. So um, his production has been pretty similar with Booker on or Booker off. But I think that Booker's absence potentially gives Paul a couple more minutes. Um, the fact that it's a back-to-back and went to overtime last night does concern me a little bit as far as that goes, though. Uh, you got 39 minutes from, from Paul last night. I think that Paul's ceiling is higher without Booker. I'm not completely sure, like, how confident I want to be in him. Um, I actually just pulled up though. He's, he's only averaged 1.01 DraftKings points per minute with Booker on this year. So a little bit lower rates than I realized with Booker on. Um, so 0.16 DraftKings points per minute more without Booker on the floor this year. Um, I think Paul looks good. I think the salary, he's still not priced for Booker to be out. So I think Paul's a really good play. Um, just some concern about how many minutes he plays here, but I assume that he won't be restricted. Yeah, I just kind of look at the ownership and the top three sons that we're seeing getting the ownership. Cameron Johnson at, at 4,400. You mentioned about Chris Paul at 7,100 and Bridges at 5,400. I, I guess, you know, Cameron Johnson uh, with no Booker. I mean, you know, do you, you know, what's kind of your take on that one? Yeah, I think it's the, the, there's a lot of minutes to go around now and nobody really to soak them up um, as far as like anyone particularly good that, that you expect them to go to. So I think it does help to solidify Cameron Johnson's minutes. He started the last couple of games in place of Jay Crowder. He was really disappointing from a fantasy standpoint last night, but still played like 27 minutes in regulation. I would expect that you get at least 27 or 28 minutes from him tonight with the potential for more if he's playing well. I think Mikel Bridges sees some more usage without Booker. Um, he's cheap and should play really big minutes. I think he's a pretty decent small forward option if you're paying down. And then I think also you can see some more usage for DeAndre Ayton. Um, Ayton's usage has been down this year from last year. The minutes have been up recently because of uh, Dario Saric being out. We got 32 minutes in regulation yesterday, 37 total from Aiton. But we had been seeing 33, 34 minutes pretty often uh, in these games without Saric. So I think that Aiton looks like a pretty high upside mid-range center option, maybe a little bit more usage without Booker. Again, the opportunity cost caveat applies, but um, I think that Aiton looks like a solid option. Looking at the other side here with with the Nuggets, you got uh, Jokic 10-8 on DK. He's 11-2 on FanDuel. Jamal Murray coming off that great game last night, 6-7 on DK and 6-8 on FanDuel. And Michael Porter, who's back, 6-700 on, on FanDuel and 65 on DK. 
Yeah, so I mean, Jokic is still obviously the starting point here. He's averaging 35 minutes per game this year. He's been phenomenal. He's averaging over 1.6 DraftKings points per minute. Uh, Really high floor, really high ceiling, not very expensive at all. And his ownership should... Uh, be you know relatively low considering that Cousins is going to take so much ownership at center and then you have all these other options to go to you know right now we have him projected for about nine percent he wasn't that popular last night either Um, so it's kind of it's hard to get to him in like an optimal lineup because you're going to go to Cousins and you're going to you know probably end up on someone else at your utility spot but that makes him really appealing in tournaments because anytime that you can get away from the quote-unquote optimal build without sacrificing upside which you're certainly not by getting Jokic into your lineup um then I think that's you know it's a really good way to go and it's a really good way to win tournaments so um I'll love Jokic in tournaments tonight especially if his if his ownership stays down Jamal Murray is not projected for much ownership either I like that too you know it's not Murray's one of these guys where on average he's not going to have great games uh for his salary because Jokic is playing more minutes this year Jokic is taking away assist opportunities and usage but Murray's still really good and he's going to have these games where he's the hot hand and he just gets a little bit more as far as uh, scoring goes and, and plays big minutes. So um, pretty strictly a tournament option, I think, just based on the, the volatility there and the fact that um, he's got a, a relatively low floor for his salary. But, you know, I do think right now we have him projected about 4%. And, you know, if you can't get to Jokic getting to Murray and hoping he's the, the main offensive piece for Denver makes some sense. Yeah, I mean, just looking at the Denver ownership, I mean, it's all low. It's all low. Yeah, and it makes sense too. I mean, there is there is some risk not only of minute of rotations being shortened a little bit after you have an overtime game last night, but also just you know tired legs, dead legs, guys not playing quite as well. That risk is definitely there. The I think the best way to treat that risk, and it comes up a lot, you know, just in general when when you talk about back to backs and and tough schedules, is normally it's going to be factored into Vegas lines and it's also going to be factored into ownership because you know everyone's aware that they played last night, so. I think the risk is mostly mitigated by the low ownership. If Jamal Murray were 35% owned or something, then you could say, okay, well, there is reason to think that maybe he just doesn't play quite as well tonight, you know, in the second half of back to back, but that that's accounted for when it's like, okay, well, if he doesn't, if he does play well, I'm getting a, a really big reward because he's so low owned. I'll take my chances with the back to back. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that like button right here on YouTube. If you're not subscribed to the channel, be sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. Coming up right after us will be the NFL Strategy Show. This will get you ready for tomorrow's conference title games. Of course, uh, lock tomorrow at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Bucks and Packers will kick it off. And then, of course, it would be Bills and Chiefs to cap off the night. So keep it locked here all day long to awesomeo.com. And uh, do us a favor. really does help us out by hitting that thumbs up button. And be sure to hit that subscribe button as well. Now, our final game of the night will be Golden State and Utah. Utah, a six-and-a-half-point favorite uh, in this one. Uh, let's start off on the Golden State side of things. I mean, obviously, it all starts with Steph Curry at 9,500 on DK. 9700 on FanDuel. Of course, there's a, a notable salary drop-off, especially on the DraftKings side of the thing, where your second uh, highest uh, salary for the Warriors is Andrew Wiggins at 6400 Yeah, I mean, Curry's just in that, like, Zach Levine category. He's another one where um, he's obviously really good. He's Steph Curry. He's averaging, like, 1.4 fantasy points per minute, 34 and a half minutes per game this year, uh, usage rate north of 30%, assist percentage north of 30%. Not a great matchup against Utah. Not a, a great spot. Doesn't stand out as 
a top play on the slate in terms of his chances of success. So his ownership will probably be low and he fits into some lineups where you have more popular plays and you need to be contrarian, but I wouldn't expect to just be jamming a bunch of Steph Curry in at the expense of, of some of these other payup options. Um, as far as the mid range guys go, we got a price bump on Kelly Oubre on DraftKings to 6,100, which is unfortunate because he's someone that I think is going to bounce back and, and really start having some good games going forward. He's been absolutely awful from three point range this year. Um, like 15 to 20 points lower than his career average, but he's still been averaging 0.9 DraftKings points per minute, despite not being able to make shots. And when you, when you see that it's nice when their salary is falling, but now that it's coming back up, I think it's, it's tough to get to Ubre. Wiggins pretty tough to get to here as well. Um, James Wiseman's salary came up too. We, we had seen Golden State be a team that was really, really underpriced. Now I think that they're pretty much where they should be. Um, Draymond Green cheaper than Wiggins and, and Ubre as he should be given that he doesn't really shoot the ball. Um, you know, kind of fine if you land on him as like a last guy in, but I'd only expect around 30 minutes. He's only averaging about 0.85 DraftKings points per minute this year, not getting as many blocks, not scoring like he, not that he was ever a great scorer, but scoring even less. Um, just kind of there as a last piece, I guess. Of course, if you ever do miss any of our shows, they are, uh, most of them are part of the also podcast network. The live four locks are not on there, but your strategy shows, whatnot are on there. So if you miss uh, the NBA strategy show here in the morning, you can download a part of the also podcast network. Just go to awesome.com slash podcast and leave a five-star rating and review on one of our podcast channels for a chance to win a free month of also plus platinum. Good luck today. Of course, that's a great way. I, how I listen to a lot of our content is a part of the Awesome Podcast Network. Uh, you know, there was a comment in the chat about Donovan Mitchell, of course, a kind of a, in, in a way, a little bit of a viral, you know, f- video the other night of basically Shaq basically, you know, dissing him straight live on air, which, and, and then Donovan Mitchell's like, all right, cool, whatever. You know, <laughs> but, you know, do you look at Donovan Mitchell here at 7,800, maybe going, you know what, maybe, he, you know, maybe there's a little motivation here for him tonight. Well, yeah, and it's a it's a good spot, too. I mean, Golden State has been uh, decent defensively in terms of efficiency, but they're one of the fastest teams in the league. Mitchell's salary is, I think, very appealing. Um, it, it seems like him and Chris Paul really standing out in that price range. Um, you know, 31-plus percent usage for Mitchell should get 34, 35 minutes, assuming this game's competitive gets enough assists to, to contribute there as well. I don't really see any reason not to like Donovan Mitchell here um, in, in this spot. And the same goes for Rudy Gobert. You know, obviously center is difficult to get to, but if you are landing in this mid-range, uh, I mentioned DeAndre Ayton as a high upside guy. Gobert is averaging 1.2 DraftKings points per minute this year. He should play 32, 33 minutes um, in a, an up-tempo game where he's just not really priced correctly. So I think this is another slate where you see both of Mitchell and Gobert a little bit underpriced. Yeah, just kind of, uh, you know, looking at uh, the ownership projections we have on Utah. Uh, not really any surprises. What's your thoughts on Mike Conley at 6600? I think he's a decent tournament play. I, I don't imagine getting there in cash games. Um, like Mitchell, I could see potentially landing on. Obviously, I haven't made a lineup yet. But um, Conley, just I think more of a tournament option where you're, you're just speculating that he's able to have a big game in this pace up spot. The the thing for Conley is that the minutes are just really concerning when, when you consider a mid-range price tag. Um, you can typically find guys in that range. I mean, like Jamal Murray, for example, $100 more, probably playing four minutes more uh, in a game. Conley last game played 31 minutes. It was his first time topping 30 minutes since January 1st. So, you know, part of that's because Utah is involved in, in a lot of blowouts, but it's also just that, you know, he has Jordan Clarkson behind him. Donovan Mitchell um, is going to play a bunch of guard minutes as well. So they don't really need to run Conley into the ground. It, it makes his upside a little bit lower than similarly priced guys. 
Uh, Micah over in the YouTube chat was asking about uh, thoughts about Joe Ingles as a, uh, a cheap play tonight. So Ingles played 19 and a half minutes last game. He played, I think, 18 or 19 minutes. I'm pulling it up now in his first game back um, against the Pelicans. Yeah, 18 and a half minutes. The thing with Ingles is that, for one, he's not a great fantasy producer anyway. Um, if he's only going to get 18 to 20 minutes, then I really don't have interest. You would need him to get like 24 to 26 minutes, which he can, but it would have to like he has to find some way to get minutes ahead of Clarkson or Bogdanovich and, or, or Conley. And that's pretty difficult to do. So on a slate this big, I don't have a ton of interest in it. It, it like in large field tournaments, it's, it's okay. Um, you're kind of just, you know, hoping that he gets an extra five minutes, but I, I'm not that excited about it. Cause it's a combination of a guy that I don't really know how he gets the minutes. And then he also has to produce with them, which is always an issue for him. Um, I, I do like Boyan Bogdanovich to some extent here, his, three-point shooting start has been kind of inconsistent this year, started out poorly, but it's turned around. Um, I think that he can benefit from the, the bump in pace. Again, not a priority, just someone that, you know, as a last piece in it forward, I think is a decent option. By the way, if you do have any questions on tonight's games, uh, fire those right to whether it's in our premium Slack channel or in the YouTube chat. We'll get out. We'll get those in here before we get out of here. Just kind of peeking at, uh, you know, some ownership here in, in terms of tonight, uh, maybe some players that uh, we really didn't touch on. Um, Tobias Harris getting uh, just around 20% ownership. That's kind of surprising to me. I thought, like, I think he looks good at his salary. I just didn't think that he looked like 20% good. Um, I'm guessing maybe it's just the roster construction thing. Like a lot of times when there's a player that, that I think looks like a good play and it's just kind of there um, that is getting a lot of ownership. I'll typically, you know, my first thought is like, wow, that's weird that they're that popular. And then when I run lineups, I'm like, Oh, I keep needing $7,100 to small forward. So um, Tobias Harris. Uh, so I, I'm guessing it's probably like a roster construction thing where he just, he's, he's a, he's a good combination of um, minutes, salary upside. Like he looks like a good play. And so I'm guessing it's just position salary. All of that, you know, fits really nicely. Uh, Jacob would like to know your opinion on DeLon Wright. So assuming that Derek Rose plays today with it being a back-to-back I'm not really interested in right. It's just really, especially at 5K on DraftKings, it's really difficult for him, um, one, to be a particularly productive option playing with Grant and you're playing with Grant, but also you have him and um, Rose typically splitting point guard minutes and typically Rose is going to be the one that that gets to close. You got 28 minutes from right yesterday. Uh, He played the fourth quarter over Rose. The thing is though, like Rose only played 19.6 minutes more often than not, you're going to get like a 25, 23 split or something like that in favor of Rose in competitive games. Um, If Rose were ruled out, then you can bump right into probably like 30 minutes and he still wouldn't look that great at 5k. I don't think. Yeah. It's a, You know, Delon Rice's name, I I just kind of every once in a while I look over and chat. It seems like that was the guy that a lot of people were kind of looking at tonight in terms of, uh, you know, potentially going with him. Uh, So we'll see how this all plays out. Of course, coming up next will be the NFL strategy show. I'll be back later on today for MMA Live Before Lock as myself and Pete Rogers will be live for 75 minutes leading up to tonight's UFC card, of course. So you see it right there on the screen. Take advantage of that promo we got going on right now over awesomeo.com slash promos. Get a MMA weekly pass for $2.57 when you use that promo code Connor. Uh, And uh, we'll we'll kind of leave on uh, this question. Uh, Thoughts on PJ Tucker tonight? Uh, He's going to probably average 0.6 fantasy points per minute, no matter who's on the floor with him. 
Well, we'll leave it right on that note. Of course, uh, be sure to keep it locked here to Osmo.com all day long. Of course, uh, NBA Deeper Dive, 6 p.m. tonight and Live Before Lock at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Of course, Lock tonight is at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So that's going to do it for this edition of the NBA Strategy Show, which has been sponsored by No House Advantage. <laughs>